gentlemen, welcome to the Dr. Script Show, where we're talking about your favorite movies, what was good, what was bad, and how we can improve on things. We don't just talk about the problems, we give solutions to the problems. And today, hopefully not erasing my memory today, Dr. Sam... Okay, so what happened here is that you actually just saw that you were hosting a podcast. No alien crashed through the window. You were just having a good time doing your solo podcast. Got five stars on all the ratings. And, uh, yeah, so see you later. Oh, good. I, I don't know why I was just crying intensely so much in this public area. I have no idea why that was happening either. The hole in the semi-truck means nothing. That just is a <laughs> thing that happened. Oil spill. Who, who knows? Uh, but, yeah. Sam, what are we talking about today? We're talking about, uh, we're not talking about Men in Black, and we're not talking about Men in Black International. We're going, we're going uh, back in black to Men in Black 2. Oh, man. What an amazing sequel. You know, up with the kinds of Aliens and Terminator 2. Like, can you name a better sequel to... The weird thing is that, like, Men in Black 1, like, was such a phenomenon, like, such a huge thing. And Men in Black 2, like, opened super well. People, like, saw it, but nobody talks about it at all. Like, people talk about how much they like the original. But, like, 2 gets no mention, and people are like, oh, yeah, they made a third one. 2 gets mentioned as, like, being like, hey, yeah, remember the cash grab back in the 90s? Uh, that's yeah. Men well, in Black 2. that was early 2000s. And it's like, yeah, let's make a fucking animated TV show about it, too. They did. Which, to be fair, I do think that the, sh- the series, like, lent itself to a series, because... They had a, there was a comic book series at first, and then it was movies, and then the animated series. And I think they were like, it could have done much better as an animated series. I, I watched it occasionally as a kid, you know? <laughs> I honestly was more itching for that Jurassic Park animated series that's only coming to us recently for all those freaking Gen Zers or Xers, whatever. Gen Z, yeah. Gen Z, ah, but damn, how, got it right. How do you make an ongoing story that happens week to week? With Jurassic Park, it, how many times can you get just attacked by dinosaurs and it's interesting? I don't know. I'm a fucking, like, five-year-old. I don't care. As long as I see dinosaurs, that's all I care about. I'm a fucking five-year-old that drops fucking as often as I fucking can. Yeah, I do. I go hard, bro. So, uh, what's your what's your history with Men in Black? Do you have, like, a big, big fan? Uh, you know, I remember as a little kid seeing Will Smith rap about Men in Black, you know, the first one back in the day. I went to Orlando, Florida one time mm-hmm. to play the Men in Black ride in or, uh, fucking Universal. It's a real fun game. Yeah, it was something. It was crazy. And that's my extent to Men in Black. Yes. Everything else I've forgotten. And some agent probably came by and so wiped my memory. Probably, probably Will Smith just came through and blasted you with a little lightning. Probably. What about yourself? What do you? What's your experiences with Men in Black? Uh, blurs of the first two movies, and then the the most recent experience I had was seeing Men in Black three in theaters in 2012. Jesus, that came so, out in 2012. That was seven years ago. So I had not, but until watching this for the podcast, I had not touched Men in Black material uh, for seven years. I'll be honest, Men in Black 1 and 2 definitely just blur in my mind. I'm like, what are we doing this time again? Okay, yeah, right. We got this thing. It's maybe the world is ending, and oh, you don't know what's going on, but this guy, whole blur. It's it's weird that, like, because I watched the first one in preparation to watch 2 so I could kind of remember the story, and yeah, they, like, 1 is clearly better than 2, but they do kind of blur together. Like, they are just the same story just flipped on who is teaching whom. Would you say one is a ripoff of two, or like how how do these two differ from each other? How they differ is the first one I feel like tries to tell like a compelling story, like 
take its time a little bit, but play with the, the comedy of aliens being in the real world and there being a government organization that's very silly. Like, it knows that it's silly, but it still tries to ground it in a sense of reality. Whereas the second one just flies off the rails. Like, they, they've had five years <laughs> off, and they're just like, all right, what's the craziest stuff we can do? Oh, there's a flower on the head of this alien. It's going to destroy the entire subway tunnel. Uh-oh, the pug. Everybody liked the pug from the first one. We're going to give him more screen time. And it's less about the characters and more about just, like, what are funny things that these people can do? Well, they're not even, like, funny things what you can do. It's just, like, things that happen where it's like, oh, this guy's head got blown off. Yeah. Christian nanigans. And yeah, they took, like, the lowest common denominator of the first movie and just used those jokes over and over again for the second one. Because, again, it felt like there was still some grounded reality with the first one. And, like, they still try to play with certain rules of how logic works. But then the second one, Rip Torn, like, walks up air and kicks the the villain in the face. But, like, he's still floating in midair. And that's never been a thing that, like, you're defying gravity. It's just, you just were in the world that just happened to have aliens in it. Yeah. No. Uh, it, this is definitely a vibe. It definitely was one moment in, like, pop culture where it just took over everything. Yeah. Like, you know, if you didn't notice, there's a Burger King little <laughs> ad in here where the aliens are eating Burger King and uh, the men in black have a Burger King little shop on the side. And they've also got a Sprint store inside the men in black head, which I know it's, like, supposed to be, like, alien, like, uh, like customs. But there's a Burger King and a Sprint store, and all of their phones, like, say Sprint on them. Yeah, and there's, like, a Radio Shack, too, or something like that? Yeah, something like that. that. I don't know. It's it's just weird that there's product placement (laughs) inside of the Men in Black. It's it's like when Community had to have Subway in there. It's like, oh, Subway, the best sandwiches. But at least Community played with it and made fun of it. Like, if if, if Will Smith just looked over and said, when did we get a Burger King? What, do aliens like Burger King? <laughs> is that just a thing? That would be really funny. Oh, and if they also were like, yeah, did you know Burger King meat is actually made out of Gortons from the level Sumerkukar? Like, and if it's going to be shameless, be shameless about it. Exactly. Like, do, <laughs> another shameless plug, but do you know, like, in Hawaii Five-0, there's a point where they're, again, with Subway, are eating it, and the cops come up to this, like, you know, bigger Hawaiian guy. Yep. And they're like, yo, man, what are you doing there? And he's like, I'm just enjoying my uh, very reasonable $5 sub from Subway. I love the meatball sandwich. Crunch. Yum. And then they continue the plot. I'm pretty sure that was in season one because that's that's the only time I watched Hawaii Five-0 <laughs> to week. Uh, and right. they did do that in Chuck, too, but that also seemed like they were making a joke out of it. Yeah. Like, yeah. Subway knows what it's doing. Any, like, NBC shows. Just NBC and CBS, I guess. Yes. Um... But, you know, enough about these shameless product placements. Uh, Is it time to dive into the world of Men in Black? Yeah, let's do it. And to all our new viewers, also remember that we have uh, descriptions. We have time codes in our descriptions where you just, if you click on details, you'll see where to go. So if you want to stay with a summary, that's awesome. Or if you just want to go to surgery or we talk about where we fix up the movies, you guys can do that. But you should stick for the summary because, you know, you won't forget it, unlike some people in the movie. Who? What? Oh, what? Who are you? Oh. Anyway, I want to just talk about Men in Black. I don't know why I'm here. (laughs) So we open on uh, an alien ship crash landing onto Earth. And it's like, it's like a, a, well, we start off with like an instructional, like 60s or 70s, like, did you know science video where they talk about the Men in Black and like a mission they once had about a woman who wanted to take over the Earth. But there was some woman who was the leader of light or something like that. 
and the the men in black defeated her and sent her off into space and tricked her and then the the leader of light was uh was, was sent off somewhere to never be seen again yes and now we go into modern day 2002 Ooh. and there's this ship going through and it's like oh what's happening and we cut to this one new yorker guy he's trying to get his dog around you know and the dog's just going crazy he's like hey dog come over here and he grabs the dog's leash and then the dog runs away and he's like damn it pug you got away from me yeezers and so he's running after this dog, and the alien ship crashes down. Or, like, not crashes, like, more elegantly cra- goes down. And the guy's like, whoa, what is this? And he walks up to it, and it turns out it's only, like, you know, six, seven inches yeah. deep. And he's like, what's this crazy thing? And this little, like, alien, not alien, alien plant yeah. drops out. And it looks like a little shop of horrors, little, like, just the head part. And he's like, wow, this is a crazy thing. And then I think he runs away. Well, it's the dog is there. Like the, like, the dog tries to, like, play with it, and then it scares the dog, and the dog runs away. And then the, the alien plant finds a magazine <laughs> on the ground, and the magazine starts blowing in the wind, and it just kind of looks at the magazine, and it stops on the Victoria's Secret ad. And then the plant just looks at the Victoria's Secret ad and just starts morphing and transforms into the model. These unrealistic standards for plants nowadays, you know? <laughs> they don't know how to act. And, like, the second, and I mean, like, the second that this plant turns into a real person, a mugger comes up, holds a knife to her throat, and says, eh, you taste real good, and she, he takes her behind a plant, well, a he, different plant. He also starts licking her, he's like, nah, 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 come in the back with me, and she's like, sure, whatever, goes back to the plant, it all rustles about, uh, goes rustling all about, and we're just like, what's going on? And we come out, and it's the... I want to say model plant. Our yeah. antagonist comes out, and she's fat now. You know, if you thought Fat Thor was funny, wait till you see <laughs> Fat Model. Whoa, spoilers for a minute. <laughs> I haven't seen it yet. Oh, whoa. I might be talking about the first one. I think most people got MI6 on that and you know, <laughs> forgot about that. Uh, but, yeah, so she comes out. She's fat. She looks at this magazine again. It's like, I shouldn't look fat. Goes back, vomits up the guy, holds, like, his clothes. Okay, wait, did he vomit? Did she vomit or crap sure, him out? I'm pretty sure she vomited him out. Okay, I, I was I heard- so confused. Honestly, vomiting would be more funny because it's the modeling a- a- agency, but... Yeah, but, yeah, so she does that. She grabs his clothes, walks away, and then we cut to the middle of Manhattan where Will Smith as Agent J is with his new partner, uh, Joe from Family Guy, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Agent T, and uh, uh, Will Smith walks up to this little, this tiny little flower growing out of the sewers, and he's like, "Hey, Frank, uh, Frank, right, or Fred, or something like that." Yeah, something around that. Yeah, it's like, "Hey, Fred, uh, so you got You know, you got to stick to the subway lines. You know, E, F, and K. Uh, otherwise, we're gonna have a big problem." Then uh, Patrick Warburton's his real name. All you, I'll be correct. Patrick Warburton just grabs the plant. He's like, "Hey, you heard what we're saying? You, you gotta get back to your subway line." <laughs> And then as he grabbed, as he's grabbed him, the, the plant just turns into a, or like lifts up and it reveals that it's a giant worm monster. Mm-hmm. And the giant worm monster starts attacking Manhattan and Wilson's just like, Fred, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> Shenanigans. This is such an inconvenience to all of us. Also, this alien popped up in front of everybody. So good luck neuralizing everybody. You know, they always say 25% of the country is crazy. You know, maybe there's the people that didn't get neuralized. <laughs> exactly. So that happens. They have a, a, a bit of a chase where Will Smith tries to stop the, the worm from, from terrorizing the subway. It starts eating a car. And Will Smith is finally able to get Fred to, to stop eating the car. 
gets everyone to safety, neuralizes them so they forget everything, and then he takes Patrick Warburton for pie, and he's like, hey, so uh, how long have you been my partner, buddy? It's just like, oh, five months or so, and Will Smith starts clicking with the neuralizer, and then Patrick Warburton just has this mental breakdown for him. He's like, you're going to erase my memory. I, I, I just, you did this in a public place so I wouldn't make a scene. And then Will Smith's like, yo, man, you're making a public scene right now. Like, chill yourself. <laughs> yeah, but and, he's, uh, yeah, and then Will Smith's just like, I'm sorry, but, you know, you'll have a good life after this. And uh, Patrick Warburton's just like, fine, it's okay. I'll be okay. And then... He neuralizes him and it's like, you don't, you never were part of the MIB. You're going to go back to your normal life. Everything will be fine. And then he walks up to the waitress and is like, hey, that guy really likes you, but he didn't want to admit it. So it shows that he's a, he's, you know, a tough guy, but he's still a good guy. Yeah, exactly. You know, uh, Will Smith does a great job here. I'm just going to spoil it right now. He's a great part of this movie. I mean, perhaps the only good part of this movie. Yep. And that's where I'll go with it later. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, so this is where, uh, where Serlina, the antagonist, uh, goes to meet up with a two-headed alien uh, played by the one and only Academy Award-winning actor Johnny Knoxville. Yeah, you know, they didn't even need to put special effects on anything. They just have a two-headed Johnny Knoxville in real life, you know? Exactly. That's, that's just who he is. <laughs> and she convinces him to join her 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 crusade to destroy the planet. Her plan is actually pretty vague. I don't actually know what it is. That is a problem we will talk about later. Cool. So she recruits him. And they try and, uh, they, he's like, oh, I know where to find, you know, the, the light, the, the light, which could be like, they don't describe what the light is. They just call it the light. They might as well just call it the MacGuffin. Exactly. Like, we need to find Mr. So, MacGuffin here, guys. Uh, yeah. So they, they leave and then, uh, Jay goes back to MIB headquarters where he's kind of like now the top dog in charge where it used to be K, but since he got, since Jay got all the training, he's the, he's the big guy in, on campus now. And uh, he goes back and goes up to Rip Torn, uh, uh, Zed, sorry, <laughs> Rip Torn playing Zed. <laughs> and uh, Zed is like, so you've neuralized another one of your agents. You can't just do that to everybody in the field. Part of me is like, yeah, why does he get the authority to decide who's an agent and who's not when he's only been an agent for like five years? Yeah, that, could you imagine skyrocketing up to the ranks in five years like yeah. that? And then he just casually tosses aside because there was the uh, the woman that joined him at the end of the first movie. He's like, oh, she wanted to go back to the morgue. And we're, we're going to forget about that because that's how you get rid of the character that you just didn't want to deal with. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yep. So he, uh, I forget what thing we need to investigate. They need to go investigate something. And then Frank the Pug walks in and is like, Hey, you can't go out there without a partner. Should I be your partner? <laughs> and he's like, fine, but you get you gotta not wear the suit. And he's like, fine. And Frank the Pug wears a suit. Yeah. Oh, good stuff. <laughs> what they're investigating is that uh Zarlana, what's her Serena? Sir, Serena and John, Johnny Knoxville go to this pizza joint mm-hmm. and we meet our love intact not antagonist, <laughs> love interest. Um if you can even call her that. Resort uh Rosario Dawson. Dawson. Yeah. And she's talking to her manager, and he's just like, man, you've, you've done a great job here. Oh, man, in 20 years, they'll look back at this employee of the month be like, that girl, she did stuff. And then Dawson's just like, oh, you know, we'll see what happens. <laughs> and the manager's like, you'll do great, kid. Dawson walks out. Is filing pizzas or whatever, you know. She's grabbing a case of Mountain Dew uh, product placement. Classic. And she comes back out, and she sees our Johnny Knoxville and Serena. Serlina. Serlina. 
and they're interrogating the manager and they're like, where's the light? Where's the light? And the manager's like, I don't know where the light is. Don't even question me. And they're like, no, we need to. And he's like, goes into a really deep, deep voice being like, it's too late. The light will make it to the end. You are filled. <laughs> and then Selena, Selena, fucking, I don't know. It's all right. She fucking whips the dude with her nail. Like it turns into a little like little shop of horror fucking whip and kills the guy. Just and, cracks him in half. Yeah. And Dawson is like see, watching all this traumatized me. like, oh, my God. Our antagonists walk out and Dawson's just like crying. So now Will Smith and the pug Frank come to the pizza joint being like, what's going on, guys? They're interrogating Dawson and uh, Will Smith is talking to her. She's freaking out because the person that she grew up with, who was his manager, is dead. And she just finds out he's an alien and everything. It's crazy. And Will Smith is like, yo, 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 you need pie. (laughs) And he... He takes her to the same pie joint that he took uh, Patrick Warburton to, and they discuss, you know, how crazy it is that aliens are real. And what I've learned in the last two movies is that people take the idea of aliens existing very well. And the man that raised her for the last 20 years is an alien, and she takes that very well, like, that this is just a thing that happened. And they discuss, and they don't talk about anything romantic. But the music underneath the scene tells us that it's supposed to be romantic. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, they just start talking, eating pie, and then Will Smith brings out the neuralizer, being like, I gotta neuralize you. And she's just like, oh, this that life must be so lonely to know that no one really knows who you are, that no one can love you or be with you. And then Will Smith's like, yeah, you know, I, I won't neuralize you right now. Which is like, what? What was the point of that? Yeah, also, you're and, d- he's... Been a professional for five years. He's supposed to be the guy in charge. And he doesn't do the thing that you're supposed to do. Right. Like, he's the top guy. You think he would have been more of an Agent K at this point where he's just, like, following the rules. But, nope, he's just like, oh, fuck it. You know, go make your YouTube conspiracy theories about fucking aliens right now. We'll see where that goes. Which, yep, to be fair, if one person knows everything, I would just look at you as you're crazy if you're telling me this. So... If he said that, I would have given him a pass, but he doesn't ever say that. Nope. So he leaves, and he goes back. He also her. sticks her with the bill. Oh, he didn't pay for the food, <laughs> and he left her behind. What a oh, shitty didn't. first date. Uh, yeah, and he, uh, he walks out and goes, I think goes back to MIB headquarters, right? Yeah. And that's when uh, he and Rip Torn discuss the case a little bit more, and that's when they realize that uh, Serlina is from an old case that Agent K was a part of. Ooh. That's uh, Will Smith's old mentor, in case anybody hasn't watched Men in Black 1. Uh, and they they finally they decide, all right, I guess it's time to bring to bring uh, Agent K back to the back into the fold. We gotta figure this out. Uh, where where's he at? Is, or someone's like, oh is he dead? And Riptor's like, he might as well be. He works for the <laughs> postal service. Oh man! So we go to the fucking postal service. Yeah, there's a. It's like a post office that's in a lighthouse in Massachusetts, which is very weird. Mm-hmm. And apparently, Tommy Lee Jones as Agent K really likes working at the post office. Oh, that's <laughs> that's how they play it off at first, and then somehow later on, he's supposed to be miserable. It is not very consistent for some reason. No, wonder why. Because they didn't really know what they were doing. <laughs> so. Uh, Jay goes in and just starts talking to Kay as if he's gonna know everything. He's like, hey, Kay, I'm gonna need you to come back to the Men in Black. And 
understandably, a man who's lost all his memories is like, uh, could you, there's a mental health clinic around the corner. Please go. Very appropriate answer to say to this crazy man that's talking to you about aliens and everything. And so Kay then goes into the back. Jay follows him. And he's like, God, I mean, Kay, come on. You haven't noticed anything weird about your life, anyone around it. And he's like, no, this is the postal service, you know. And then Jay sort of like talks to this one guy in. Yeah, he talks in like a, like a clicky beat sound. Like it's like it sounds like it's a hip hop African like dialect. And, and sure enough, after once he does talk to one of these guys, every single other person in the mailroom reveals their disguise and, pr- and shows that he's, they're aliens. And the, the excuse that met, Will Smith gives is, yeah, most people that work in the post office are all aliens. Makes sense, man. Makes checks out. Which is one of the jokes that I wish they could have played on a little bit more, like in the movie, because it's such a funny idea that like there's a certain occupation and certain types of people that would be aliens. It would have been funny if um, Will Smith clicking to the one guy who's just like, mm-hmm. you know, and the guy's like, the fuck are you doing, dude? Like, this is weird. Yeah. And then he walks out and all the aliens are like, ah, you know, Jay, that was the one guy. <laughs> it was, was normal. <laughs> See, that would be funny. And like the thing in the third one where they find out Andy Warhol is an alien. Uh-huh. Like, I thought that was really funny, like playing with like real things. And that, that's what makes it interesting. Yeah. But, you know. We can't always win here. No. Nope. So uh, Agent K, seeing that his entire, <laughs> all of his coworkers are aliens, gets in the car with Agent J and is like, fine, I'll follow you. I'll see where this goes all the way back to Manhattan, which is like six hours away from where I live. I wonder what that talk was like in between where it's just like, all right, tell me more about uh, these aliens and stuff. And yeah. I don't know. That might be something we come back around. I feel like that would have been a funny opportunity to, you know, have some banter. Really could have been. But instead, we cut straight back to the Men in Black headquarters where Agent K comes back and everyone looks at him and is like, oh, my God, it's Agent K. And one person literally just says, the greatest MIB agent to ever live. Agent K is here. Uh, so then Agent K realizes that he's sort of the shit around here mm-hmm. and they go into the one Unneuralizer place, which is a thing that's such a they just drop so casually that there's a deneuralizer where you can restore anybody's memories after you've taken them away. So it does take a little bit away from like the punch of the end of Men in Black One, where it's like, oh, we could have brought his memories back at any time. Yeah, like there's no process for it. It's just here. So they are setting Tommy Lee Jones to get this brain unneuralizer going on. But as this is going on, we have our antagonist, Selena, Serlina, and Johnny Knoxville trying to get their passports to fucking any other planet, I guess. And they start invading the base where they're like, oh, they're taking over and everything. And Frank the dog hides in this dead octopus thing. I have no idea what that was. That just kind of felt like it came out of nowhere. Yep. Uh, yeah, so she has basically incapacitated every single other MIB agent, including Rip Torn, who runs on air to kick her in the face. <laughs> I hate it. If you don't know what I'm talking about, Google the scene. I'm sure it's it's somewhat famous. Uh, and yeah, she's incapacitated everybody. They find out that the whole MIB base is on lockdown. So they go through this elaborate, like, toilet. Will Smith talks about being flushed. And it's like, yo, Jay. Like, so they get toilet flushed, basically, out of the de-neuralizer. And they end up in, like, Times Square of New York. And Jay, Will Smith is just like, yo, man, 
Kay, you loved getting freaking uh, flushed every weekend. You'd be like, Jay, let's hang out. Let's get flushed together. And I'd be like, no, dog, I ain't getting flushed tonight. And, you know, Tommy Lee Jones just like, okay, sure. I, I have no idea what you're talking about. And so does the audience. So I don't know why this is funny. Yeah. Um, and so they find out that this one place might have a de-neuralizer also. And they go to it. And Will Smith is happy because he's an old friend. And we cut to this one place, and it's uh, the guy who plays Monk. Yeah, it's I, Tony Shalhoub, yeah. who played, like, the, the pawn shop owner from the first movie. And they go back into his pawn shop, and he's like, hey, 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 guys, I don't need any trouble here. I'm just trying to live my life, live my business. Uh, and Kay walks in, and he's like, okay, I guess I'll, I'll work with you guys. So he takes them, like, downstairs or, like, somewhere else to this, like, like homemade denuralizer. Like, it does not look as fancy as it does in the other base, which I'm... I don't know how a bowling ball and, like, a pulley system make a denuralizer. Yeah, it was such a lazy prop design. Like, okay, so Kay gets in, tries to get denuralized, whatever, and it's so fucking lazy. It's literally just the bowling ball running around, a toothbrush coming up here and there, a fucking monk is trying to start the whole thing with a boat engine. I think I don't blame, like, the production designer for that, because, like, what he was given is, like, here's a homemade denuralizer. Like, how do you represent that except with, like, janky, like, materials? And, yeah, and so he goes through the process of being denuralized. Uh, Tommy Lee Jones doesn't think he's getting denuralized at all, so he, you know, runs away. He's like, this didn't work. And then, uh, sure enough, these uh, these villains that Serlina has, uh, has, like, canvassed together bust into the, the pawn shop owner's uh, basement and they start attacking uh, Agent J and basically at that point he's getting like fully bent in half. Yeah. It's Part like, of what doesn't make sense because he should just be dead. Yeah. You know, you can't really... It would have been funny if they had planted like, oh, Jay does yoga and is very flexible yeah. and they're like, oh, Jay, you're the most flexible guy here. And he's like, I gotta be babe or something like that. <laughs> but no, Jay just can survive that yeah so he survives getting his back pretty much broken yeah and they have this joke about when the aliens look like shit and uh, well then agent k is like outside and he suddenly starts to remember things and all like all of a sudden all his memories come flooding back and he's his old self again and he comes downstairs and kicks ass beats beats up all those guys and like as he's saying that (laughs) jay is just like uh, or someone says, like, oh, you look like shit. And he's like, no, he looks like shit. Mm-hmm. And it's just a guy with, like, a weird It looks face. like the poop emoji, yeah. you know? Like, the, the very, like, poop emoji. 4K poop emoji. <laughs> uh, and then they fight him off. And at the very last second, <laughs> Will Smith, the last alien they have to fight, Will Smith's like, no, you can't kick him in the groin. He's he's one of those ball sack chin aliens. Yeah, it's a little like, he's a ball chinian. And Tommy Lee Jones is like, oh, and he pulls the, like, handkerchief over this alien's mouth, and there's some balls, and he literally just fucking punches it, and the guy, like, acts like he has nuts, but it's, like, on his face, and he's, you there's know, a species called ball chinian, named after the balls on their chin. Ah, uh, you know, gotta love the writing of Men in Black 2. So, <laughs> we get out of there, uh, uh, Tommy Lee Jones starts to remember some stuff. And they decide to go back to the pizza shop because they, Tommy Lee Jones is like, I think I left clues for myself 
in case I ever needed to find the light again. Yeah, and so what they have done really crappily is, like, the planting and paying off. So there's one point where Kay shows Jay, like, this picture, like, hey, you look so happy there. You're pointing into something in the sky. And, you know, it's a picture of Jay being like, ha-ha. And we later find out that that picture is the same picture as the pizza manager at this one specific point. Mm -hmm. So they think Tommy Lee Jones pointing to something is something in the shop. So Jay goes around being like, oh, you see, who would stack pizza boxes like this on the corners? Doesn't make sense. It's pointing to this. And then Jay goes into this whole in-depth, like, investigation skill about it. And Tommy Lee Jones is like, Jay, Jay. And he's like, no. And all right, it ends up being tuna? Or like it's, like, it's like, and this this is the anchovy can. Yeah. We need to so- save the world with this. And okay, then Tommy Lee Jones just points to some keys on the walls that his finger was actually pointing to. He just picks those up and is like, all right. And that's what's considered humor in this movie. Yeah. It... Okay. So they go to uh, they go to Grand Central Station. Yeah, something like that. And so the key that they found opens a locker, and they find out it's a bunch of mini Chewbacca-like characters running around. Yeah, there's, this locker is literally an entire universe that is just the world that is inhabited by these little little furry aliens and they praise Kay as like their lord and savior because he is like the big guy that can control everything. And he gave like the light or like the watches to them that gives the time. Yeah. And so Jay's just like, oh, takes that watch and they all throw these aliens throw a huge protest like Jay, what the hell? And Will Smith's just like, oh no, no, here's my watch and they start praising Jay. Yeah. And they're like, praise Jay, let's go to the brothels. Well so the weird thing is that the the thing they actually are there to get is this uh, this membership card to a video rental store. Mm-hmm. And I need to explain this because this is the weirdest thing is that like the the like the rules or like the explanation of like what the video store is all about is on the card. So this one guy who's like the elder Chewbacca like comes up and starts spouting like this philosophy and then in the in repetition or like in response the Chewbacca creatures just say what is on the card. So it says, only open Monday through Friday at this time. And he, like, tries to say, you should only know the times when your heart is open to the world. And then at the very end, it's just like, and sometimes the things that are the sins of the flesh or something, something. And they're like, and adults only for the video store, for, like, the material in the back. And then they go to, like, the one sex club that the entire planet goes to. Uh, that was important information. Yeah, it was very important for some reason. And so now Jay and Kay go to this video store, which, like, you know, props on you finding this... Vi- mm-hmm. Putting so much faith knowing that this video store was going to be open 25 years later. Like, yeah. yeah. Not a great plan. Not a great plan. And so they talk to this one girl. She talks about how she wants to get crab in Cambodia, Cambodia for a dollar. And then fucking David, David Cross. Cross shows up. Was in the first movie. Oh, was he really? Yeah, he was the. He was not the. He was like the the guy at the checkout desk at the morgue. So after, and I think they were trying to play it off as that he was the same character. Okay. Because he shows up at the morgue in the first movie, and Vincent D'Onofrio as the alien like sticks him to the ceiling in like this kind of goop. So like he knows that aliens exist now. Oh. And then as the video store clerk, he. Uh, Sort of knows aliens. Yeah, he, that he starts having like a, an alien conspiracy where he's like, "Are you guys like the Men in Black, like the guys that they tell us about?" And then uh, he takes them upstairs to like this hidden video collection where he shows them a tape 
that is basically the video we saw at the very beginning, which is the the like the shitty retelling of the Men in Black story where uh, Serlina tried to kidnap the light, but the Men in Black saved her or saved the light from being taken by Serlina. So they neuralize David Cross and you know soon to be girlfriend. And they go back to... Oh, they, oh, they, so, we forgot about this, but earlier when they go to the pizza shop, they take Rosario Dawson, and she her, like, safe house is uh, with, like, the, the weird, like, tiny, like, hey, ass-talking aliens yeah. from the first one. You know, people found that funny. Oh, uh, sure. I'm glad they found it funny <laughs> at one point. So, yeah, they brought her there earlier, and then Tommy Lee Jones realizes that he needs to go back to get her because he... He thinks that she is, like, the key to the light now. So he goes back to the the apartment where the aliens are, but, uh uh-oh, Johnny Knoxville has already come through and kidnapped Rosario Dawson. Rats. And murdered. Or murdered. Did he murder anyone? It was weird because we don't know how these aliens work, and it looks like he just, like, annihilated these, like, the funny aliens. But then they just put themselves back together like they can just regenerate. Yeah. Again. All right. Doesn't make a lot of sense. They have Dawson at the base camp, basically, and Jay and Kay are like, all right, we need to take on this force. Like, let's gear up. And so they go to this random apartment with this family just watching nice television. And this is one of the moments that I thought was really funny. Though. Okay, really? Good. Yeah, I liked it just because they literally like, all right, we need to, uh, we need to, you know, gear up. So they just bust into an apartment, open, like, a hidden door, and this family just looks behind and sees that their wall is just an armory for, for the men in black. <laughs> and then they get all the guns they need to and just close it up and just as casually as they can just, like, neuralize them. She's like, hey, you didn't see two grown men take a giant amount of guns out of here. You didn't see four little aliens crawling on the floor. And it, the world might end the next half hour, so treat your daughter nice. She can eat all the cookie and cakes that she wants to. I thought that was funny. It was... It's because it, it comes with the premise of the world. Yeah, that's that's fair. That's fair. Anyway, so now they go and attack the uh, headquarters and, you know, other people are running around doing other things. Will Smith fights. Is this the main guy from the one at all from Men in Black one? No, this is the, like the, the guy that he's fighting, like the like yeah. the trench coat, like there's four of them. Yeah. No, this is a random dude that it, at one point, Serlina, like walks up to him. This is a filmmaking thing, so this is weird. So, like, she says, Ah, Zara, it's good to see you. We cut away, and we're gone from that moment for 20 minutes. And then we cut back to that exact same moment, and then she's like, So, Zara, it's good to see you again. Like, they hadn't, like, left that moment, but, like, a day has passed. (laughs) And then he, like, talks to her, and then we don't see him again until this ending beat where he's like, Ah, yes, Jay, it's good to see you again. And, like, somehow they're supposed to have a past. Yeah, I, that's why it made me think it was the bad guy from the first one, but it's no. just this random dude who has... Anyways, they, Jay fights this guy. He stops the de- the detonation to go off, saves Dawson, and uh, Kay is also talking to Serlina, and they end up, like, you know, running away from each other. Yeah. Um, Jay saves him, and they try and go to... They're getting. They escape in this mi, the Men in Black car. They turn it into a flying car, and yeah. Serlina is following them. There's a point where Tommy Lee Jones has to play the PS2 or something yeah, because Will Smith is it's his car. So instead of the flying controls being like a joystick, 
it's a PS2 controller because it's funny, I guess. Yeah. And so Tommy Lee Jones doesn't know how to use the PS2 controller, so they're upside down, they're flying around. But also, Serlina's chasing them, and that means the entire city of New York is seeing this. Yeah. <laughs> sure. So they eventually escape from Serlina. Uh, oh, they go because they go through the subway. Right. And that's this is where they have a callback, which I thought was uh, decent, uh, where uh, Tommy Lee Jones is just like, what are you doing? You can't just go through the subway. This is a bad way to catch her. And uh, Will Smith is like, don't worry, I have a friend down here. And he, like, tricks Serlina into flying into Fred, the giant worm monster from the first part of the movie, just flies in and he just eats her ship. And so Will Smith flies back out and they go to the top of some building. And this is where Tommy Lee Jones reveals that it's not... We totally forgot to keep talking about the light. So this, uh, the thing that Dawson has on her wrist is like the light. Technically, it's been glowing for a bit, and they think Will Smith thinks it's the light that Selena is up to wants. And then Tommy Lee Jones realizes or tells Jay that no, that's not the light. Rosario Dawson is the light, and so Jay's just like, wait, what do you mean? And Jay's. Kay is like, we need to send her off to her aliens or she'll destroy the whole world or whatever. Yeah. And so Jay's just like, what? I was <laughs> trying to hit that, man. We had three scenes together. I'm exactly. in love with her. I got her pie and I made her pay for it, you know? <laughs> and so this whole thing's going on. And then uh, Serlina comes back up with... Uh, she kills? Yeah, Red. she... Well, she reverts to her original form where she's like this giant... Like plant worm, yeah, and she like just explodes Fred from the in- Fred the worm from the inside, and basically uh, Tommy Lee Jones tries to rush Rosario Dawson to the ship, but she's about to be attacked by Serlina monster, and Will Smith jumps in the way and gets taken up by the vines, and he's trying to fight off Serlina. Meanwhile, Tommy Lee Jones is shooting at Serlina, and Tom and Rosario Dawson just refuses to like get in the ship yeah. and she just watches Will Smith get thrown around. It's a real rose in Titanic, you know, just refusing to get in that ship to save herself. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, she finally gets in. Tommy Lee Jones is just casually shooting the uh, Serlina, just mm-hmm. being like, whatever. Just This is a very inconvenience. I'm trying to watch Jeopardy right now and you just won't get in the ship yeah. is what the vibe that Tommy Lee Jones gives off. Dawson decides to go up in the ship. She's flying out. Serlina is trying to catch up to her and Jay and Kay decide to shoot her. Well, they try to get like big guns yeah. from like, the trunk, which they could have used from the beginning. So, Rosario Dawson is flying off in her ship. Uh, Serlina tries to chase after, and the two of them get these gigantic guns, and they just shoot Serlina, and she just vaporizes. She turns into fireworks, yeah. <laughs> which would have been a really funny thing to like plant and pay off earlier. Like, oh yeah, we don't bleed in my planet; we explode. Yeah, and then whatever something. And, but also, why didn't you just use those guns when she was fighting you in the first? Yeah. Place? So they save the day. Uh, Rosario Dawson becomes the new queen of whatever planet she's on. And, uh, you know, the boys uh, later on uh, try to cheer Will Smith up. Where they're like, hey, I'm so sorry the love of your life left. Everything's tough. Kay and Rip Torn and Frank the Pug all come and try and console him. He's like, no, I'm fine. Everything's okay. Agent K has revealed that he's moved (laughs) the, the civilization that was in his locker is now in Agent J's locker. 
because that's funny. That sounds like something you haze the guy who just yeah. joined. Not like it would have been funny if Jay had moved that to K's locker, yeah. being like, "Hmm, what is this, Jay?" And he's like, "Oh, you know, you're you're a new guy over here. You gotta know the rules, you know." And yeah, day, like, day one like, shenanigans. Yeah. yeah, but then K's like, "Well, Jay, there's still a whole lot that you've got to learn." And he pushes open the door and reveals the, <laughs> the entire universe that is our planet. Just is a locker in like an intergalactic train station and that's the end of the movie yeah and that's how it ends and i remember as a kid watching that being like oh i can't wait for the third one and the third one doesn't come out for 10 years yeah and yeah i remember that's sort of why i tried watching the animated series being like hey yeah is this gonna go anywhere and I don't remember it really going anywhere. No, I don't think so. So, yeah, weird cliffhanger. I, that was the first time I've been blue balls, <laughs> you know. But, yeah, that's Men in Black 2. Um, it feels like something that got in your way of watching Jeopardy, you know, for the characters at least. Like, it just yeah. feels like a random Tuesday or Thursday where this is what we're doing. Uh, saving the universe. No big deal. It's not like this huge climactic final thing because... Honestly, none of the characters really take this seriously. No, it's weirdly like, and it was that was kind of the style in like the early two thousands, like the casual comedy where it's just like Ugh, business as usual, which it didn't work as well because it felt like there was no like stakes when they did stuff. Yeah, like in the first movie when Agent K does stuff and it feels like business as usual, where he's like, "I've saved the world ten times over," and this you know this is just part of the job. Like it felt like he's done this before and this is what he does every day. But it still felt like the world was in danger. This just felt like they were bored mm-hmm. like, with what they were doing. And, like, the only exciting part was when they were getting Agent K back. And once they get him back, it just is boring. And it, they, the two of them fight about, like, you know, how, you know, K didn't really want to come back, but he did want to come back. And Jay's mad because K's not, like, listening to him, even though, you know... He's new, but he's... I don't know. The emotions were very confusing. Yeah. it It's sort of like, if the characters don't care, why should we? Yeah. And I feel like this casual approach, like, it works for the first one. You know, Jay is the audience's eyes, and K is, like, the grizzled vet. But if we see that in this movie, that K is like, yo, like, no, this is serious. I don't know how to deal with this. Like, blah, blah, blah. It's like, oh, well, we need to take this seriously. Like, we need to figure this out. But they do it so casually all the time. It's just like, I mean, I, I really don't think this is going to end with this one random plant woman going to winning win everything. And I that was the biggest thing where I'm like, why should I care? Yeah. No, I I agree. It's just... Nothing, nothing connected. No, and we got we have some stuff to talk about, yeah. you know. And you know, I'll just say visual effects, pretty bad. Yeah, not great. I mean, again, and I, I don't want to blame the early two thousands because you know you have something like Jurassic Park in nineteen ninety three, which can be amazing looking for the most part, and you know so many other things. But you know, two thousand two wasn't great for things like CGI, and I think this was. Because the first one, they used a lot of puppets and, like, tried to do a lot of practical effects. This one definitely felt like they were moving to the CGI camp. Yeah, you can see it. You see it on screen. There's, like, a handful of actors that have really heavy makeup on. And after that, it's just like, all right, here's our Michael Jackson cameo. Oh, God, I'm glad we didn't mention that. Yeah. Now we did. Um, so, 
Uh, I don't know. Is there anything you want to quickly touch up upon? No, I think we should just... The sooner we get this over with, the sooner the sooner our lives can... We can deneuralize ourselves from this movie. All right. So, let's get into surgery. We're in surgery now. What do you want to change? I uh, what do you What do you want to start with? Do you want to start with broad strokes? Or do you want to start with smaller stuff? Because uh, I have, like, a few big character things that I want to change. Okay. Uh, number one... Is I want I want the the conflict between J and K to be more clear. Mm-hmm. Like I want I want it specifically to be that, and they it, it can be explicit dialogue because it's a it's an early two thousands comedy. We can be there doesn't have to be subtext. J to be actually like upset that he's like, hey, I brought you back and you don't seem happy about it. And K was like, is like I I miss the action, but I also don't miss risking my life every day. Like, I want that to be more explicit because it just seems like, okay, like, all right, I'm here. I'm going to take over. By the way, I'm not happy that I'm back, but I'm here to take over. Yeah. I think we need to see uh, Kay's more personal life where, you know, mm-hmm. he seems a bit not miserable, but, like, we don't see him extremely happy at the, this mail service, you okay. know? It's because they wanted to bring him back and, like, make sure he stayed with them afterwards so the instead of giving him the happy ending that the first movie promised us they'd have yeah they just toss out the idea that his wife that he'd been waiting for left him and like now he's living miserably as a post office guy i think we just need to really like jay should be struggling to bring k back like yeah. this shouldn't be an easy decision where like you know jay's like i hate all my other you know intern guys here like i just de-neuralize them all the time i want my main guy back so when it happens he's like yeah cool but we should see that you know k's really enjoying the life that he has and when he gets his memories back he really sort of resents jay for it being like hey i was happy you fucking dick yeah it's like i i know i chose to do this but i'm starting to regret it like yeah because he what if what if his wife doesn't leave him like what if yeah. he's actually in a really happy place but he has to choose to go back because it's to save the world. He should have grandkids. Yeah. And that should be, like, the main thing where Jay's just like, yo, man, like, if you don't do this, your grandkids aren't going to have a world well, to live in. He technically can't like have that. grandkids because he only got married five years ago. <sighs> so you can have a, a young child. All right. Sure. A I, young child. <laughs> I, I haven't seen the first one. The first you have. So I The first I one ends with him going back to, like, the love of his life that he left, like, 35 years ago. Mm-hmm. So he's only been with her for a maximum of five years. He never had, like, kids before. I mean, he could have had maybe a secret kid. I Okay, how about we'll sort of fix up the first movie where Jay or Kay was a dad that just left his family, you know? Like, he, the classic, okay. he left his family. Mm-hmm. And Kay always has struggled with that. Like, I want to go back and stuff, but I just know, like, I'm... The thing that keeps me going is, like, I save the world all the time. I'm making my kids' lives better because I know they are going to live in a world that's free and not ruled by crazy people or mm-hmm. crazy aliens. And that's the thing that he's going. And at the end of one, he's like, all right, I'm going back to my family. And we go see him in two. He's made amends with his family. They sort of, you know, forgive him or forgot. Yeah. <laughs> he left. And then when Jay comes back into town, like then it's a real struggle where they're like, no, we just got, like, we feel like we just got you back after, like, 30 years. Like, you need to, you can't just leave us now. Right. And he has to make a real tough choice. And if if he ends up having to, like, neuralize his family, like, that's that's a that's a tough choice. Yeah, that's, like, a really 
dark. But, <laughs> but I'm down for it. I'm but down for it. Add weight, and I don't know. The movie doesn't want to add weight and stakes because yeah. of the tone. But I feel like it would still make us care more. We need to see people having struggles throughout this. It can't just be a very like, all right, yeah, let's do this. Why haven't we done this in a while? Because it them having Tommy Lee Jones sidelined for this whole thing, it's just a really annoying plot line. Okay, well, he doesn't even show up till about 30 minutes in. Yeah. And this movie's 88 minutes long. Like, the man who is top billed, he's number one on the call sheet, doesn't show up until almost over a third of the way into the movie. It's weird, and especially if you don't give him a story beyond... You know, my memory's gone. Like, it feels like there's not a lot there. It's 88 minutes. You can afford an extra 10 minutes of screen time for his family. Oh, yeah, especially for Men in Black. Like, I thought this movie was going to be, like, two hours and 20 minutes. And, no, it was, like, a very cool hour 30. And it cost $140 million to make an 88-minute movie. God, where did that money go to? Don't know. Uh, it was just Will Smith himself. Probably. Uh, that's, I'm fine with that. But yeah, so aside from Tommy Lee Jones, what's something else you'd want to fix? I mean, the big thing with Tommy Lee Jones for me is him being something else besides a mailman. And I like the thing that we just said with him having a family. Is there another occupation you would want <laughs> him to have? Uh, I'm trying to think because it'd be funny if he had like a different like mundane job, but he loved it. Uh-huh. Like, uh, I don't know, like... He's, like, over-enthusiastic, like, librarian or, okay. like, or even, like, a fisherman. Like he, go, like, he goes out every day, and, like, the way that he, Will Smith convinces him that he's, uh, that aliens exist is he just, like, drops, like, you know, some tablet or something into the water, and just the Loch Ness Monster just floats up. He's like, <laughs> hey, Jay. And he's like, hey, hey, hey Nessie. Uh, I, I didn't need anything. I just wanted to say hi. He's like, okay, bye, Jay. And then Kay just looks at that and, like, you get something out of that, and that's a, a much quicker scene than the mailroom scene. I I like that better. Well, the mailroom stuff, it's just such a lazy pun, you know? Yeah. Also, they whiffed on the easiest joke of Frank not liking Kay as a mailman. Oh, my God. Yeah. Wow. That's such an easy... That's low-hanging fruit right there. Yeah. Like, I'm not about getting low-hanging fruit, but it's right there. Yeah, he should just start barking and be like, I don't like him anymore. I don't know. He's different. You've changed, Kay. Yeah. No, that's really funny. I like that. Um, I, I was surprised they didn't do that. But I can't... I, I like your occupation of him being a fisherman. Maybe a librarian's fun. Um, if he was a taxi driver, mm-hmm. I think that would be fun. I know they sort of touch up yeah. on this in the new movie. But, like, if he's just, like, really enjoying being a taxi driver and with medallions and he's just like, yeah, these taxi guys that I know are, like, real characters, and then, then they turn out to be aliens. Yeah. I feel like that's a better, like, oh, yeah, taxi drivers are aliens. Yeah, I think you could do that, because especially in the first one, he even says, like, oh, no, not as many taxi drivers as you think are aliens. Uh, and then, but then in the second one, if he is a taxi driver, he's like, oh, I was wrong. They're all, they're all just aliens. But, like, yeah, I, I agree. I, some other occupation... Something fun. And especially if he's a taxi driver, he could be in Manhattan, so it's yeah. not that far of a drive. Oh, yeah. That's way easier. What if he isn't de-neuralized? Like, what if he just is, like, in the witness protection a- agency mm-hmm. for Men in Black, where he sort of just has his mundane life of just like, oh, this is me, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And then, you know, Jay hops in his taxi cab, and he's like, hey, okay, we need you back. And he's like, ah, I gave that up. I'm retired. <laughs> or so something he, like so that. So he still has all his memories. Yeah. never gotten neuralized. Exactly. See, that's what I would have liked for the first one to end with him being like, des- like deciding to leave without being neuralized. Uh-huh. It's like, no, no, no. 
You know, but I think they also did that without the plan of there being a sequel. Mm. So then they had to go back and fix it. So if we go back and fix the first one just for a second, Will Smith, you know, holds up the things like "I'm ready," and then Tommy Lee Jones is actually like, "Actually, these weren't bad memories at all. I want to go back." That, yeah, I would have liked that. Yeah. And then he can just you know still have all that information, and then then that's almost better than Jay's having to like confront him from the start rather than having to deal with a few scenes mm-hmm. of. All right, he doesn't remember. Got to get him to remember, and you know he's got to remember. It just takes so much time too yeah. to get his main brain like regular again. Like it is half the movie, basically. Yeah. So. And then when he does it, just it doesn't feel like a triumphant return. It just feels like oh, Kay's back. And yeah. That's it. Whatever. Um, so the next thing I want to talk about is uh, Dawson Rizzo. Sorry, I can't Dawson. fucking say her name. Sorry. I've been butchering that old podcast. Um, I, I have an idea on that too, but I want to hear yours first. Um, so there's two different ways I want to take this. Where in the first point where Jay takes her to the diner with the pie and everything, and he like instead of deciding, you know what, you can have your memories. I'll let you be. I want him to flash her with the neuralizer mm-hmm. and then just sort of walk out and she's confused. And then we find out later that the neuralizer didn't work on her. She's mm-hmm. just like, you just flashed me. And then I walked out and maybe the worm, it's the worm scene, the worms. And everything. she's like, you flashed me. And the worm's like, Oh, Jay, I didn't know you had it in you. Ah, this guy. And just something where she doesn't lose her memories then. And now we don't have Jay being like the lawbreaker. Cause that makes no sense. That's yeah. Part of the thing is like, None of the separate thing. I want the characters to make decisions that make sense logically and for their own characters. Right. Everything they do is stupid, but that's there are too many examples to list. Uh, not disagreeing on that. Big fix. Okay, um, that's my minor fix. What do you want to do? So what I want to do because I was able to watch the two movies back to back. The the character Rosario Dawson's character's name is Laura. Okay. The main female lead of the first movie. Her name is Laurel. And here's what I think okay. we should do. You take Rosario Dawson out altogether. Okay. And you replace her with Laurel, the woman from the first movie, so that we don't have to just throw her away, like, at the first sign, uh, just because we want a new, like, two new attractive females in the movie. So instead, you can still keep Serlina, that's fine. You know, make her a Victoria's Secret model. Not a fan, but, like, yeah, whatever. Okay. Uh, but take out Laura and put in Laurel... So that and instead of Patrick Warburton, like she's his partner, and she's she you know she was a good agent at the beginning, but then she's kind of started slipping back up, and she even does mention it's like, hey, you know, the agent life. I don't. I I thought I would like it, but it's not for me. I want to go back to the morgue, and uh, and Jay like you know is like, okay, I understand, and he does the thing that you just said, where he tries to neuralize her, but she doesn't actually get neuralized, oh, okay. and there's some some body comes through. Uh, where, you know, at the at the morgue, where they actually transfer, like, the power of the light to her okay. or whatever. Something like that. And, and in a way, hopefully not contrived. I just can't think of it, like, right now. But, uh-huh. like, some... Or or even if she doesn't get neuralized, maybe he, she makes a deal with Jay that, like, I'll, I'll like, refer any weird things to you that I see. Uh-huh. So then... Uh, so then she actually gets shipped all the weird bodies. So then there's some body that happened... And, it, like, the light actually is part of this bracelet. Mm-hmm. And then when she gets the bracelet, it actually just attaches to her wrist, and she becomes, like, the new light of lights or whatever. Right. And then they have to go to her to be like, hey, you're you're the light. Uh, you need to become the queen of this planet. And then she actually... A woman in the movie actually gets a story 
Oh, oh wow. That she, Ooh, I, I don't know about this. <laughs> that she, then she, similarly how Tommy Lee Jones has to decide whether to neuralize his family in order to become an MIB agent, she has to make the decision, well, I wasn't cut out for the men in black. Why would I be cut out for being queen of this planet? It's like, maybe you were cut out to be an agent. You just, you know, cut yourself short or something like that. Okay. I, I, Rosario Dawson's character shows up for three scenes, like, before getting kidnapped. Yeah. I think, why waste the time on a character we don't care about and that is not a love interest? Because then if she is a love interest of Will Smith, they have two movies worth of backstory, and, like, in between those two movies, you have character development that happened off screen that maybe they could actually be in love, and it makes sense. Right. So I'd rather that be... If they're going to do this plot about the light, change it around so it's not a new character, make it Laurel... Laurel and not Laura. They did that on purpose. They had to have done that. Oh, it had to be a joke. That had to be a joke. But yeah, then they just do some switcheroo where she gets the light, like as now part of her being. Okay. Well, if if we're gonna keep uh, Laura, (laughs) I don't I don't mind your version, but I if if we're just to fix the movie altogether, I would just like to streamline a little better. Well, with your idea of like Laurel. I think the point where he's trying to, like, neuralize her or mm-hmm. whatever, it should be really emotional. Like, this is basically, like, you know, sort of killing uh, yeah. a life that you had, in a way. And it's the second time he's had to do this to a partner. Yeah, and I think it should be, like, of mice and men, you know, where it's like, look at the flowers, just look at the pie, all right, look at the pie. And then, yeah. like, he flashes and then just, like, has to walk away. And then she's like, wait, what? Did that, that didn't happen, and then I, I didn't I didn't forget because you made me look at the pie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think that would be like it is an emotional scene there, you know, when he decides to erase all of her memories because yeah. it, you know, you are erasing your your life with them. Yeah. Um, basically, my idea with Laura was that similar thing where. Not that they're agents, but Jay has been dating Laura for a bit. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're just shooting the shit. And Jay thinks that since she's being kidnapped, it's because of Jay's and her romantic relationship. And then they find out, oh, no, she's the light. And he's like, whoa, wait, what? That was my girlfriend. Yeah. And then her needing to leave to save humanity is a bigger thing to Jay rather than just, like, mm-hmm. a little, like, yo, I met this girl yesterday. I got her number. <laughs> and, like... You know, give some uh, emotional stuff to it. Yeah, and especially because at the end, like, the last scene is them consoling him about how this woman left him, and they, they don't know each other. No, they don't. Like, yeah, it, it was uh, it was annoying, so I do agree. Whether we go with keeping Laura or changing it to Laurel, they need to have a relationship to start off with. Right. Um, and I guess I we talked about this earlier. These guys really just need to care about what's oh happening. Oh, my God, yes. Especially, like, the, like, one of the first scenes where Will Smith is on the train, and, like, he's like, all right, guys, there's a big worm coming through, and, like, it bites through. Like, I get the first casual bit where he's right. like, just another day at the office, and then he should switch gears and be like, all right, everyone, let's get here. And then he's like, like, when the train conductor's like, hey, I run this train here. And he's like, oh, you run this train? You run this train? Then he comes, like, pulls him out, and he's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to run this train. He's like, get back in there. Like, yeah. <laughs> Like make people realize that there's danger. Right. Yeah. We need we need to feel stakes in general. So, just have a couple scene like a scene after Tommy Lee Jones watches the video um, of Will Smith being like, ah, oh, what's going on here? Like, what are we doing? And Tommy Lee Jones is like, no, dude. Like, 
I'm sorry, but this is really serious. Like, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm legitimately worried. And then, like, you know, he calls his family being like, leaves the voicemail being like, I love you no matter what happens. And then Will Smith is like, oh, shit, this is legit. I did not know this. I'm yeah. going to call Dawson and see what she's up. Um, <laughs> see if she's up. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I, we talked about that a little earlier. Another thing is we need to know what the rules are. Because yeah. they throw so much at you at so many times because, you know, with uh, Rip Torn, we find out, oh, if the light's on Earth, then Earth is going to explode. And this is like an hour and ten minutes into it or something like that. Yeah, they, they drop new stuff in as if, like, these are supposed to be, like, things we should have known or, like, stuff that's like, oh, right, we forgot to tell you about this before. Like, I think they say something about how the light needs to be somewhere at a certain time, mm-hmm. but they don't add the stakes of it being... By the way, if the light's not here in 20 minutes, they're going to blow up the planet. Establish that stuff earlier, you know? The, and uh, I'm diverting, but we're just sort of doing general thing, fix-ups. This this script has really shitty planting and paying off. Mm-hmm. Like, with the photo that points to the keys from uh, Grand Central. Yeah. It's so, like, ham-fisted, being like, oh, here's a picture of you back in 25 years ago. Look mm-hmm. how happy you were. Or, that was the main thing. I know there's other crappy yeah. shit. No, um, I mean, the, the only, like, quote-unquote good planted payoff is the subway monster, mm-hmm. which, but it also feels a little bit lazy because the subway monster had nothing to do with the actual story. Right. It was just the jumping-off point for realizing that K or J neuralizes all of his agents. It has nothing to do with the story, so it kind of feels like a cheat when they don't use something that, like, was integral to the plot to, like, incapacitate Serlina. Yeah. I, I yeah, that's the only like good plant and payoff I can think of because you do see the bracelet every once in a while, and like I don't know how it worked in 1997, but like the whole thing with that one is uh-huh. similarly there's a piece of jewelry that they need to find, okay. and it's very obvious that it's attached to the cat because uh, there's such focus on this cat, uh-huh. and like you can see his name is Orion, and the guy says the key to the galaxy is on Orion's belt. Uh, and it's his collar, and you see this weird dangling. <laughs> like, it's so obvious that, like, you if if there's not if the planet payoff is too subtle, then you don't get it later, and it just seems like it's out of nowhere. But then sometimes it's too obvious, and it means nothing to the story until it means something later. Well, if we're going to compare it to Titanic, you know, way better planting and paying off. We're at the point where Jack and Rose are hanging out, being like, oh, this man's from this type of life. This gal's from this type of life. And Jack's teaching Rose how to hawk loogies. And then at one point, she hawks a loogie at... Oh, Billy uh, Zane. Yeah, Billy yeah. Zane's like, oh, hey, you learned yeah. something. And well, let's see that came back. And it's not a moment that's like, you focus on it, where it's like, oh, the thing. It's like, oh, no, that's cool. That's like, that's her moment of standing up. Even if you don't notice it, that's like her thing. In a lesser movie, they just do a thing where it's like, here's the thing. Here's the thing again. Yeah. I don't want to tell, you know, a screenwriter who got paid $2 million to write the script how to do their job, but we've been doing this for 50-something episodes now. The thing that sort of sucks is, like, it's just, this feels like a mid-episode in a TV show. Like, not even the mid-season. It's, like, episode 7 out of 22. It's just like, oh, that happened. It wasn't a significant enough thing to be like, oh, we really need to keep talking about this. Because the only significant thing is that they bring K back into the fold. But besides that, it just feels like a lackluster adventure. Like... Uh, like, it feels like the filler episode. Like, you know how Lost had 24 episodes in a season? Yeah. We don't know what to do here, so it's just like, let's spin our wheels at, like, episode 17. And it's like, okay, we get what you're doing, 
and something important is supposed to have happened, but we're kind of just where we were before, and it's just lackluster. Yeah. No. I say this as a fan of Lost. <laughs> I agree. Um, I guess, is there anything you want to talk about after that? Not really. Nothing else about the movie, because it is just these huge things. Fix J and K's relationship. Fix K's backstory. Yeah. Uh, fix Rosario Dawson. And make them care. Yeah, and the thing is, there's such broad things to fix where we can't just get into the small, nitty details of like, hey, I would like to know the motivation to this character and the ex character. It's just like, no, we need to figure out the main guys first, then we can work on, you know, bad guy C or whatever. If you're going to keep the same plot, it still needs a page one rewrite just based on exclusively character and motivation. Yeah. And then change the plot like a little bit so it's a bit more streamlined and it's not this weird, like, like half-assed mystery because it's also a half-assed mystery for the second half uh, yeah where it's like I left clues for myself but I neuralized myself so I don't remember what the clues mean well, no it's, just it's, have him know what it means and just make it a struggle to get there yeah and it's not fun to watch because we haven't been given these little clues it's just hey here's another clue this leads to this clue I think I think I think our work here is done it's up to uh, uh, what's his name Barry Sonnenfeld and Robert Gordon to fix this story. Uh, <laughs> so, cool. now that we're done with that, uh, how do you feel about Men in Black International? Do you, I assume, we neither of us have seen it. Uh, no. So, what do you think about it? Um, I remember someone talking about this, and I can't remember who, but it's definitely, like, weird that, like, you know, aliens take place in this universe. And the weird, wacky, like, oh, this is an odd place to be, is London. It's like, hey, these guys have the wheel on the left side, or on the right side, then the left side. Like, that's wonky. But we could go to Mars and have a totally, like, yeah. Rick and Morty adventure where, you know, none of this, we don't know the rules. We'll find the rules. But yeah. Would it be interesting, though, if, yeah, if the men in black had to go, like, off planet, like, now they're not the authority in charge anymore. They're the, they're the not the invasive species, but, you know, they're, like... This different group that could, instead of international, just do intergalactic. Yeah. And I understand why they did it, because it's cheaper to film stuff in London than it is on Mars. You know, Mars tax cuts aren't as good, you know. But also they even say in the first movie, yeah, there's about 1,500 aliens on the entire planet. 1,500's not a lot. And he says most of them are in Manhattan. So then... Why do you need to go to London, a London division of Men in Black, if a thousand of the 1,500 aliens live in Manhattan? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. And also, you could have fun with the idea if they go to Mars, mm-hmm. just being like, oh, yeah, you know, the moon is full of Galapagos, and uh, we had to stage that moon landing, so we weren't going to discover these guys, because man, humanity isn't ready for these guys. Well, they can't do that, because Men in Black 3 is all about how they did go to the moon, and uh, how they set up a... Uh, a big net around the earth to protect it. Okay, yeah, I don't... And it's okay, that. nobody remembers Men in Black yeah. 3 at all either. I, I just it remember. ends with the movie Neuralizing You, so you have to keep <laughs> going back to seeing what happened. Exactly. Well, also, it does a weird retcon of a bunch of stuff, and you don't need to worry about Men in Black 3. All right, cool. Uh, well, are you excited for Men in Black International, or what? Again, I didn't, I didn't care about the franchise even to begin with. And, like, I just don't... I know people really like Men in Black 1, uh-huh. but I don't know anybody that's, like, a fan. Like, someone who's like, I can't wait to see what they do with Men in Black. It just seems like a weird franchise to to bring out from nowhere to do, like, a, a years-later sequel. 
Because no one really cares about it anymore. Uh, I feel like people care and that, you know, Sony doesn't have a lot in its library <laughs> to make franchises out of. So it's like this and Batman or no, sorry, Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I get it. And they have a good cast. I mean, Chris Hemsworth and Tessa Thompson worked great in Ragnarok. And I would be like throffing at the mouth to get those two back on screen for a movie. But the script just had, at least from the trailers that I can see. It all it has is jokes that are like, oh, the wheel's on the wrong side. Yeah. Oh, we have this gun that can make the Grand Canyon. Yeah. <laughs> like, and, like, the only fun part really seems to be Kumail Nanjiani's tiny alien guy. Right. And maybe he's going to be the Jar Jar Binks of the story, as far as I can tell. But, like, I think he's going to be good. I'm sure he'll be fine. I'm sure he, like, came up with a couple good jokes here and there. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure he was in the sound booth for 16 hours, did his lines, got his paycheck, and yep. he was back on the Silicon Valley lot. <laughs> yep. That sounds about right. So, Men in Black International, getting a big thumb sideways for us. Yeah, you know, if it has good reviews, I'll see it. And if it doesn't, you know, it's not as a big fuck-up as Dark Phoenix. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, Called out Dark Phoenix. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, (laughs) on the note of Dark Phoenix, things that uh, don't fail you at the end of the day, uh, please subscribe to the Dr. Script Podcast. Yes. Follow us on all of the things, but especially iTunes. Leave us a five-star review uh, or a four- or three-star review, but we're we're maintaining a solid, consistent five stars, so it would be super great of you not to fuck that up for us. And if you want to find our, or stay tuned for our newest content, make sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at just Dr. Script Podcast. And if you want to follow us on Twitter, it is Dr. Script Podcast. We've got a fun little announcement. Also, we have an email. Oh, we Ooh. have an email from whom? It, uh, an email? You guys can email us too at uh, Dr. Script Podcast. Oh, I, I thought you were telling me that we had gotten an email before we even like told people about it. So like, that's a dedicated fan that would hack into our system to find out our email. Yeah, it's Tom from MySpace. You know, he just wants oh, more friends. No. But, you know, we have an email address yeah. that you can send us stuff. Full Dr. Script Podcast. Like, spell out Dr. and Script and Podcast at gmail.com. Um, if you want to send us anything, you know, please don't send your scripts. Um, anyways, guys, we will be back soon with another episode. And until then, don't forget about this podcast. Don't get neuralized for it. Oh, <laughs> I don't know how the neuralizer sound works. <laughs> I don't know. Perfect. All right. We'll see you guys later.